just like that, it's the weekend already. Thanks for listening to the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. And it's hard to believe, Adam, but we are here with another uh, Fifth Friday month, that being the month of August. And so that means that we have a Freeform Friday episode. Now, I was hoping that Chad would be here as well. Yes. Because I always feel the more the merrier, which incidentally, if any of you out there would like to come aboard and and be a contributor to the podcast, I would really appreciate it. Um, we are still kind of working through some scheduling stuff. All right, as I was saying, uh, we are on a Freeform Friday episode because we have a fifth Friday here in the month of August. Can you believe August is already wrapping up, Adam? It's crazy. Oh, my word. Where does summer go? So we are going to uh, have some fun. And as per our usual, we'll start our show today with a hymn story. Now, this is one of my favorite hymns, Make Me a Blessing. So, Adam, why don't you share with us the story behind the song? Well, we are going back to a simpler time in 1924, to be exact. And in that year... George Schuler and Ira Wilson were roommates at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. They combined their efforts in giving to the world the wonderful Christian song, Make Me a Blessing. Actually, Wilson wrote the lyrics and Schuler did the musical setting. At first, the song was actually rejected by musical publishers, but not to be stopped, Schuler had a thousand copies already printed to distribute on his own. One copy actually fell into the hands of George Dibble, an outstanding singer who was the music director of the International Sunday School Convention over in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, Dibble asked permission to use the song, and it was, of course, joyfully granted. Soon, people everywhere were singing it, and publishers were wanting to distribute copies all over the nation. The popularity of the song has grown to the extent that Christians in many locations can sing it even by memory. Now, a strange thing happened to Wilson. He actually forgot that he wrote the lyrics of the song, Plot Twist. From those days until he passed away, he never remembered this poetic creation that he had wrote that goes out in the highways and byways of life. Many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. And the chorus goes something like this. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, my Jesus shine. Make a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. Yes, and that truly has been my prayer for a lot of years. And that's um, the reason why I wanted to share this hymn with you today, because it is important to me. And uh, below this, or in the background here, is the musical stylings of Caleb Bracey. Um, and I will direct you to his YouTube channel and make sure that the links are there on the webpage and maybe eventually I'll contact Caleb and get him on the show. Cause I've used his, his musical accompaniment a couple times and I always give him credit so that, uh, you can get to his channel, but maybe eventually I'll try to contact him directly and get him on the show to talk about piano or whatever. Cause I really like his instrumental stuff. So. We will move uh, right along here. And I have a discussion question. Now, I was hoping that there would be three of us to have a discussion. Um, there isn't in studio, but I, what I will say is if any of you who are listening have an answer to this discussion question, go to facebook.com slash speaking for him 
And I, I will even put, uh, I will try to remember, um, to put up this question the week the podcast goes out. And the question is, if you could choose one book and most of us would say the Bible, because this is a Bible based podcast. So we're going to take the Bible off the table. <laughs> if you could choose one book, not the Bible, which is a mandatory read for all high school students, which book would you choose? So I'll go to Adam first and then I will give mine. Ooh, 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 ooh. That is a tough one. You know, I would have to probably say uh, Green Eggs and Ham. No, I'm just kidding. Um, something probably a little more mature would be would be good, I think, for uh, teenagers. You know, I am thinking – I feel like a classic book to read is the Swiss Family Robinson I don't know why. It's just a classic, and I remember reading it like late middle school, so it was almost high school. And I just feel like it was such a great like classic literature that you can't find in a lot of modern books today, and it was just like a great story. That That is a good point. And actually, if you guys look back in the archives of of this podcast, you'll find Speaking From Book Club episodes. And we haven't done Swiss Family Robinson. We're not doing it this upcoming year. We just did the – the we released the uh, titles for upcoming a couple of weeks ago. We're going to do Red Badge of Courage this fall, which I think would be another good one. But the one I'm going to recommend, or actually, it's hard for me to recommend one book. So let me yeah. just let me just recommend two. The first one being To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. I know this is required reading for the ninth graders at Potter's House High School. And I actually first read this in my early 20s. I've now read it, I think, three times. And um, I have assistant. I, I've worked on the crew of doing a stage production of this at Asgard Theater. And it wasn't until I read it and then worked on the stage play and then read it again that I grasped the full significance of it. But I would definitely recommend that one. And then the other one is kind of along similar lines. It's called The Help by mm. Catherine Stockett. That's a good one. And um, I really hope that she writes another book because it's been a long time since she wrote this debut novel, um, which I guess is based a little bit biographically on her life but it's just such an excellent uh, book the movie's good too but the book is better so i recommend that for high schoolers specifically older high schoolers and you may want to read it with your kids if you're reading it to younger high schoolers uh there is some adultish content in it not as an inappropriate just as in as in tough issues but i really think that we need to be reading books like this so that we can have important discussions, especially since we have this this pervasive attitude in our culture today that says ban everything that's offensive. Mm. But my position is if something is offensive, then have conversations about why it's offensive. If you just remove it because it's offensive, those conversations won't happen because there'll be no reason for those conversations. Um, and if you just uh, remove a book because of an offensive term, you may totally miss why that term is there. Um, like Huckleberry Finn is an example of a book that gets banned by a lot of 
different school districts or whatever because of some of the coarse language. But the coarse language is trying to make a point, you know. Um, some of the stuff that they say in there is considered racist, but the whole point of Huckleberry Finn is that it's bad to be racist. And so we need to think about context and the why behind the way things are written and not just say everything that's remotely offensive should be removed. Because that's not freedom. That's not encouraging people to think. That's just doing the thinking for them and taking away freedom. So those are my two recommendations. And I'm going to try to have a discussion question. Um, you know, every couple of months for Freeform Friday, I think it's a good addition. All right, now for some a little bit of sadness which is that Adam and I were tentatively planning to go to John Christ in November. Yes. Which is three months away, but believe it or not, he's pretty much already sold out. Yeah. I went to get tickets for Adam and I, and all they had left were 75 and $150 level tickets. Adam and I are neither of us high rollers. <laughs> so, no, um, no, we're not. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, something falls into Adam's lap because he works at a radio station, <laughs> but the odds of that aren't that great. But I do love John Christ, and I really resonated with one of his newest videos, which is Parents at Disney World. And I know a lot of people don't like Disney World, but one of the things that I liked about this video is it kind of applies in certain ways, no matter what vacation you go on. <laughs> so let's listen to John Christ about Parents at Disney World. And then we will, I'll make a couple comments. We made it to the happiest place on earth. It's 9 a.m. I got to schedule every minute of our day until 9 p.m. Pay attention and stay close. <laughs> I just flew my family halfway across America to visit Disney and all my homeschool kids want to do is visit the Hall of Presidents. We need a map. $45 for bedazzled mouse ears, baby. You want these or you want to go to college? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's 9.30 in the morning. It's too early to get wet. We're not waiting an hour and a half for impressions of France, okay? Eat a baguette and lose a world war. That's fine. <laughs> of France. Let's go to Space Mountain. No, I'm not going to push him in a stroller, okay? He's four. No, that's not right. The Splash Mountain is this way. No, you cannot have goofy-shaped chicken nuggets. Sit down. Your mother brought ham sandwiches. Oh, for heaven's sakes, pick up your garbage and throw it away. This isn't Six Flags. Listen, Rebecca, she's not coming out today, okay? That dream to meet Elsa, you better let it go. Oh, you want to go to a small world all by yourself, huh? Well, it's going to turn into a pretty big world when you come outside and can't find your parents. Oh, great. Now my wife wants a photo with Gaston. Perfect. Well, hurry up. Make believe your feet aren't sore. This is Disney. Use your imagination. See these locks right here, kids? That's what happens when you disobey your parents. You know what I want to ride? A park bench in the shade. One, two, three, four, five. Where's Mackenzie? My goodness, I got a fake a leg injury or something. I need one of those scooters. Honestly, how are there possibly so many strollers in here? We have been here for 10 hours. I mean, my love language is quality time, but not this much. A four-hour wait for Toy Story? That line is to infinity and beyond. I feel like we're going the wrong direction. Well, is it air-conditioned? If not, I don't want to go. Informacion? No, it's in Portuguese. No wonder this map doesn't make any sense. If you don't get back here by the count of three, I will spank you into Tomorrowland. <laughs> okay, so Adam, could you or could you not relate to a lot of that? Oh, so much. Oh, especially the strollers. Look, I don't know what, like, daycare center of America went to Disney on the day we were there, but it was, like, just rows and rows. It looked like, like, 
I-96, but with strollers. It was backed up, and it was crazy. Well, the thing is, Disney – I'm pretty sure Disney rents strollers to people. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to bring one in. You can grab one for your kid Oh yeah. if you think they're going to get tired. So I think that's part of it. But the one that I resonated with, even though I've never been to Disney with my family, I went with another group when I was 10 years old. But uh, I never been with my family. But the thing I resonated with my mom that supersedes whether it's Disney or not is uh, you know you can't have goofy chicken nuggets. Uh, (laughs) Your mom brought ham sandwiches (laughs) because my mom was notorious for not letting us eat the high price concession foods if we went to some theme park or <laughs> wherever it is that they provide food and she would she would give us food we were the family that had to leave the zoo to eat our food and then come back in because she because it was cheaper than actually buying food there so my mom was definitely the ham sandwich mom <laughs> so love it I totally resonated with this video if you're lucky enough to get to go see John Christ in November, do it. I may have to hit him up on Twitter, see if he can get me in. There you go. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, Backstage pass. But yeah, um, he's just really funny. And the thing is, he does satire, but I really feel like it is satire with a purpose because I, I feel like a lot of times he says things that they seem off the cup and funny, but if you really think about it, a lot of people think the way that he is presenting. And so yes. he challenges us. To think a little deeper. And he also knows how to have a good time, obviously. Yeah. And so I just really liked that um, John Chris goes to Disney uh, video. And uh, I wonder what the people around him were thinking because it looks like he actually was walking through Disney World doing it. Yeah. (laughs) That was one of those in his videos as well. Like if people think he's just talking to himself, like let's give that guy a little space. All right. Um, Well, I have one other thing. That I want to share with us um, another new segment that could or could not be a regular feature. But first, I wanted to give Adam a, a little chance to give us a little bit of update because something very interesting happened to in Adam's life recently. Um, so, Adam, if you feel comfortable, could you share a little bit of that with our podcast audience? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I... About a month ago, started as part-time youth minister coordinator for high schoolers at my church. And it was something that I didn't really see coming or that was going to happen. I, I was friends with the former youth minister there, still is. And um, then she left to another church, and I all of a sudden had this position that opened. And at first I was like, nah, I'm not going to take it, blah, blah, blah. And I just had kind of something move one day where I was like, you know what, maybe I should apply. And uh, within a week, I had a meeting, and then they're like, we want to offer you the job. So um, any doubts where I was like, oh, I wonder if this is God's will. kind of think it is at this point. I just have a feeling. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's exciting. We just had our first uh, big event last weekend at the church, and that was really cool. And it's been a big time of growing for me, and it's been a lot of new learning curves. You know, I've been basically just in radio for the past – Nine years, so I'll do something a little bit, a little bit different. Some of the job kind of bleeds in the other one, ironically. But well, you know, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that too, because like the, I think it was this past week that you, you know, several years ago this past week, like nine years ago this past week, that you got your internship. 
Yeah. Here at JQ because your dad shared the status. Yeah, that's right. About how you had gotten an internship at JQ. And it was kind of the same way. Like you, you didn't expect to hear much back from any radio station. Then you got an internship. Then you ended up on staff. Yeah. And they kept adding to your responsibilities. And now you work afternoons with CC. And so that's pretty exciting the way God works. So I guess that's the way God, you know, just likes to give you jobs is to have you kind of fall into them. Yeah. <laughs> I can honestly say there's many things in life I did not see coming. So. And who knows? The way Joe is, you know, your, your <laughs> oldest younger brother. He may end up being the next McNutt intern. He just might. Hint to Brad Lanzer. Yeah, right. Yeah, he he did that little model with his bouncy hair. But anyway, so I just wanted to give you a chance to share that because it's pretty exciting what God is doing in your life. Thank you. And we'll we'll continue to pray for you. And again, I'm trying to make sure that – I give him balance in his schedule. I'm grateful that he's continuing to be involved where he can with the with the podcast. But continue to pray for all of us that we can come together and continue to coordinate together. And if anybody else out there has some gifts in the ability of perhaps executive producing uh, for the podcast, please uh, contact me with the contact information at the end of the show because anything – we can I can do to make the load lighter of the people that are helping me. I'm willing to do, and so I'd like to get as many people involved as possible, so we can continue to bring you this high quality podcast. All right, so for a new segment on Freeform Friday, I thought it'd be fun because I often ask these things to to detail some word origins. So being that it's August. And then it's typically a long, lazy time of year, although most of us are back at school now. So yeah. it's probably would be, would have been better if it was a couple weeks ago. But uh, I thought it'd be neat for us to hear about the origins for the dog days of summer. So, Adam, you want to fill us in? Well, the dog days, you know, you always think that those were the summer days that so devastatingly got hot and that even dogs would lie around on the asphalt panting, which we've all seen on people's driveways or maybe even on sidewalks. Now, many people today use the phrase to mean something like that, but actually, originally, the phrase had nothing to do with dogs at all or even with the lazy days of summer. Instead, it turns out the dog days referred to the dog star Sirius and its position in the sky and in the heavens. So to the Greeks and Romans, the dog days, if you will, occurred around the day when Sirius appeared to rise just before the sun in late July. And they referred to these days as the hottest time of the year, a period that could bring fever or even catastrophe. So truth be told, that is way more scary than with the original thought of what it <laughs> yeah, was. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> wow. It <laughs> Easy is. there, Romans. It is because typically – um, you, like you said, typically we think about it as the hot days and the really hot days that kind of just t- try to time, kind of just try to drag on and on. And I'm getting tongue tied just thinking about it. <laughs> so heat. I guess I'm still stuck in the dog days of summer <laughs> and it actually has been a pretty hot summer. So, you know, being that that's the case, uh, I thought it was appropriate to bring that up. All right. Well, that is basically our show today. Although, let me just 
ask you one other thing, Adam. Yes. I know that you recently went on a trip to Maine. Yeah. You said that you were excited to try lobster. So just give us a give us a little <laughs> bit of a hint as to what you thought about the whole lobster experience. Okay. So here's the thing. Lobster is very we're gonna say weird. Because imagine you're at the table, and if you've had lobster before, you know what to expect. But if not, imagine you're sitting at the table, and all of a sudden this waitress comes out with six bibs for adults. And you're thinking, okay, I'll bite. So you put it around your neck, you're good to go. It's got a little cartoon lobster on it. And then the lady brings out this placemat that has a (laughs) nine-step order of how to eat the lobster. Which I've never been given instructions with my food before. Usually it's just fork, (laughs) chew, you're done. So the lobsters come, five out of six of us have never had it before, myself included, and all of a sudden I'm looking at this plate and it's literally this just lobster that's just staring at you. And it, it, it looks like it's going to start moving, but they steamed it so it's not. So it's just this lobster looking at you and you're like, is, did I order the right thing or did I order a prop? Or It's really odd. So then they give you this bowl with these like walnut crunchers that crack the shell. So we're like, all right, where do we start with this thing? So finally, you basically just commit like a homicide. <laughs> you just start cracking the shell apart and breaking this poor thing apart. Um, and then I got to the claw meat, which is the first like ten steps. And where is the Law and Order sounder? When yeah, right. <laughs> dun, dun. Every lobster will behold in the truth in a court of law. Um, <laughs> it was actually very good. I was surprised. So the claw meat was my favorite. And you dip it in butter, of course, and that is just oh, it's so good. And then you go to the actual torso, and you, and you break that sucker open, and then you find a little more meat. But then there's also the liver, which they're like, you can eat that or not. I'll spray the details on that part. But um, long story short, it was actually a really fun experience, and it was pretty mm. good. I'd have it again. I thought there'd be more meat in the lobster, I'll be honest. It's not as much as you think. Mostly it's in the claws and a little bit in the torso, and that's it. So it was interesting, but it was great, and I'm glad I tried it, and I would have it again. All right, and I guess the biggest question you're asking is whether uh, whether anybody would get to eat anything in a timely manner if they had that many instructions for <laughs> yeah, each piece exactly. of food. It kind of reminds me of earlier today when I went to Schuler Books and I saw that the flavor of the day was Mackinac Island fudge coffee. Ooh. I ordered the coffee. I didn't realize it was just flavored coffee. It wasn't one of the sugary prepared drinks. Oh. So, and then when I asked for as latte, they just bring me this big container of coffee and big container of milk. And I, and my, my uncle mixed it up for me, but it's basically you mix it up yourself and then you drink it. I didn't realize that it was just the regular flavored coffee. I thought it was a prefab sugary drink. So it was good, but it wasn't what I was expecting. And not quite as intensive as you in the lobster, but it was <laughs> more steps than uh, <laughs> than I was thinking. Yeah. So. It's the reason why burgers and hot dogs are so popular in this country. Yes, because they're symbol. Which yeah. maybe our discussion question of the day next time will be, is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, but with that intriguing question, we will leave off for today and we will just say, um, I hope you have a wonderful weekend and keep serving the best of masters. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 